Coming up on the Locked On Hornets podcast, I've got Rick Bennell in to talk about a fluid minutes situation going on with several players in this rotation right now. Plus, can we blame what happened to the Charlotte Hornets last night on the youth movement and biz hit the Eurostep, biz hit the Eurostep, biz hit the Eurostep. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. I don't even care that they lost. I don't even care. This season is not about wins and losses. That's not how we're going to measure this season. So I am strictly going to measure this season on how many Bismack Biombo Eurosteps I've seen That's one. That's one more than I've seen over the past couple of seasons. So I say it's already over. This season is over. It was a success. Mine eyes have seen the glory. Bismack Biombo hitting the Euro step and getting the bucket. See, that's the key, right? If he misses it, then it's it's whatever. It's just an awkward couple of steps that he takes before falling to the ground. But no, he knocks down the shot. And he's had a few of those. Bismack Biombo playing well, and he's starting for the Charlotte Hornets right now. I've got Rick Bennell, the Charlotte Observer, coming up. I'm going to ask him about Bismack. I'm going to ask him about Dwayne Bacon. I'm going to ask him about Marvin Williams. So stick around for that. I'm Doug Branson, by the way. You can follow me on Twitter, at Doug Branson, L-O-H, doing the show solo again, Walker Mail. We're going to get him 100% healthy. I don't want him coming back and somehow spreading his germs via podcast. It's going to come through the Zoom feed we have. I'm, I'm done being sick. I'm done with it. I don't like being sick. I don't think anyone loves being sick, but I really don't love being sick. Uh, so we're not taking any chances here. Real quick, uh, if you haven't checked out our Patreon page, today is the day to do it. I just released a new episode of Let the Boys Watch, an exclusive podcast that you can get on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash LOH. It's a great way to support what we do here, and you get to hear me and David Walker uh, chat about the Hornets, the NBA, and uh, League Pass, and our favorite television shows, and probably your favorite television shows. We're talking about some of the most popular ones on TV right now, so go check that out. Again, new episode of Let the Boys Watch uh, just went live uh, today. Okay. Let's get to Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. He joins us on Tuesdays, as he always does, to give us the analysis of the Charlotte Hornets that you crave, that you want, that you need. Joined now by Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. You can follow him on Twitter, at Rick underscore Bennell. Uh, Rick, welcome to this Walkerless show. This is my show now. I own it. Um, and is, it's is no holds barred. track today? Is this his, his rap day or something, or what? Well, he, listen, he bathed in Purell, like you told him, uh, but it didn't work. Good. He got sick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just a fact of life. We are, we are humans. We are, uh, we are bags of flesh that eventually get sick, and so he's taking— I tried to tell him not to do turkey tartare. He clearly <laughs> did not do that. <laughs> All right, Rick. Hornets take a bad beat to a reeling Suns team, but there was a, a silver lining. Did you witness the Bismack Biombo Eurostep, the second of his career? You know, I Doug, I think I've told you this story. In the 31 years I've covered the NBA, 
the strangest thing I ever saw was walking into that first practice, Kemba's and Biz's rookie season, right after Christmas, right after the lockout ended, and watching assistant coach Rob Werdan throw Nerf balls in a corner at Biz, literally teaching him the most fundamental concepts of catching a ball. What he has become, what it is now as far as, you know, adequate offensively versus what he did was then is, is pretty wild, <laughs> honestly. Uh, he's not, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't uh, gasp every time the ball touches his hands anymore. You, you actually expect him to hold on to it and catch it. No, you really don't, and he's been one of the more physical players for the Hornets this season. He used to be, we we used to run numbers about his usage being very low, like every time he was on the court. I mean, players were afraid to pass it to him, but we haven't seen that this year. Devontae Graham uh, has been running pick and rolls with him, and, and now Biz is starting again. And even with Cody Zeller back from that hip injury, it, it is, is Biz the, the starter moving forward for this team, or is there a plan uh, to work Cody back into that starting lineup eventually? In the short run, Biz will continue to be the starter. Um, here's how I would phrase that. Um, Biz is the most physical player on this team, and there's a 14-way tie for number two. Um, <laughs> so I can understand why any statement about caring more about being physical would make some sense. Um, the other thing I would say is that Cody has no problem with this. I think it's inevitable that Cody will go back into the starting lineup sooner sooner or later, probably sooner than later, but that's not really the point. I think you should get used to the idea that um, center is going to be a t- kind of a tag team between them, um, and that's not a bad thing, and Cody's all in with that. Um, I think that anything, by the way, that helps uh, manage Cody's health is by definition a plus. Well, the team generally has been healthy this season, but they do have a few players banged up, Nick Batum being one of them. He had that uh, finger issue on his left hand, a broken hand, and uh, we've seen him – well, Dell says on the broadcast that he bumps it every game, and he looks to be in pain. He's looked that way over the past few games, and and he missed some uh, time in the last game due to that uh, finger on his hand. Do you have any updates on, on his injury and his status moving forward? He did practice today. He is listed as probable against the Warriors. Um, Nick hyperextended it. Uh, it was funny because um, Steve Reed and I um, were talking to Nick right after the game, and Nick was making it sound bad, and I said, it's the same finger? And he said, yeah. And I said, wow, what? how bad is it? And Nick used the word cracked. <laughs> and so I said, cracked? <laughs> and I thought that meant that he had, refractured the, the finger in fact what happened was he hyperextended it which means he stretched the supporting ligaments so it's a mess again and i have this ugly feeling that this is going to be one of those things that never completely heals until the end of the season but it's something he appears to be able to play with it's interesting too because batum has a little bit of a history with the hornets with maybe coming back from injury not being 100%, trying to deal with the injury, trying to manage the injury. Cody Zeller, same kind of thing. They're, they're, they're trying to manage that with Cody. Uh, do, you, do you see them doing the same thing with Nick, or is that just going to be completely up to Batum and the training staff? Nah, I, I really think that, that in Nick's case, it's simply a pain tolerance thing. If it got worse, that'd be different. Um, 
I don't see this as something that would cause him to play fewer minutes. I realize that that will cause, you know, booze among much of the fan base, but I don't see Nick playing less. Uh, Dwayne Bacon got some of those minutes as a result of that Nick Batum injury last night. Uh, we've documented his struggles on this show offensively as points per 100 shot attempts right now at 79.6. That's fifth percentile among wings. He's also finishing less than half of his attempts at the rim, and that's good for 21st percentile. You saw him miss a few in transition down the stretch against Phoenix. He, he went from starter at the beginning of the year to in and out of the rotation. Um, you had a big profile. Do not being in the rotation at all for ex- three of the last five games. Exactly. How is he, how is he dealing with that? But Because he's a, he's a player uh, that, that you know, Rick, uh, is, a, is a confident. He's confident in his own ability. So how is he dealing with all of that change? Doug, I um, he spent some extra time uh, as he should be working out after shoot around the other day, and I waited around for him. Um, Ninety minutes after shoot around ended, um, he he came over to do a one on one with me, and we had a long talk. It was a it was a good conversation for half an hour. I've always been impressed with Bake's a sense of perspective. Um, the, you know, everybody needs an ego to be this good at something, to be an NBA player. But ego is an incredibly corrosive thing. It's, it's very counterproductive when you cannot keep it, manage it, when you can't keep it in check. And I'll tell you something. I am so impressed with Bakes. Um, to, uh, the expression that JB used um, to me is, um, get, is get over yourself, that he is, you know, that he loves the fact the extent to which Bake, you know, has always gotten over himself and doesn't, you know, think that he's entitled to things. Um, Bake is handling this emotion with incredible grace and class, and he understands that it's on him to get better. And honestly, that puts him in about the 90 percentile of NBA players as far as being grown-ups and accountable, and that's terrific. More from Rick Bennell coming up. I've got to ask him about Marvin Williams, 19 points in the second half against Phoenix. And then Malik Monk, not really playing well these past five games. We'll find out what's up with that. You're listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Hornets. Develop winning habits. You know what winning habits are? Scoring things in the box score. That's what winning habits are. You compete. Rebounds, when you, assists. Yeah, when you compete, points. you get rebounds. When you compete, you get assists. When you compete, you score points. It's not you about effort. The it's about competing. <laughs> hey, you want me back on the show, baby. I got you, Doug. You want me back on the show. This is me. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Let's move on to Marvin Williams. A huge second half really helped the the Hornets climb back into a game where they were down by 20 at the half. He had 22 points total, 19 of those in the second half to go along with five rebounds, and he was 10 of 10 from the line. I mean, we've seen Marvin Williams this season do some things in terms of backing players down. I mean, he's all you know he's always been a good corner three point shooter, but he's also starting uh, to look like the Marvin Williams that we saw during uh, that last playoff run for the Charlotte Hornets. I think my question right now is, you know, with the team uh, struggling uh, now to get close wins and getting blown out by Milwaukee, should there be some consideration of getting Marvin Williams, the former quarterback of this team's defense, into the starting lineup? Um, Doug, the nuance I would put in that is Borrego has made it clear that he is not looking to change the starting lineup right now 
But he, the expression he used with me today was fluid. And by fluid, he means if he doesn't like what he's seeing in the first three minutes of a game, he's not going to think twice about, you know, kicking people off by sitting their butts down. And so what I'm getting at is there's, you know, I don't think he, at least for now, sees a plus in starting Marvin. But that doesn't mean that what we saw, you know, last night, Marvin playing starters but starters minutes. Marvin um, being there in a close game, I think that's going to happen. And I don't think it's just going to be about Marvin. Um, We are, I I think that both T.J. Washington and Miles Bridges are going through some serious growing pains right now. And I think that, um, well, I don't think, I'm confident that J.B. is going to be much quicker with the hook um, in the foreseeable future than he has been as far as letting those two guys play through their mistakes. You know, this isn't the first time this season that Marvin has played hero off the bench. He saved them on a number of occasions. He seems renewed this season in a way that I haven't seen him in quite a while. How likely do you think that it is that his expiring deal ends up getting moved uh, this uh, this uh, during this uh, trading season? And, and what would the return realistically look like in your mind? Well, first of all, it wouldn't be high. I guarantee that. Um, if you got, and by the way, we really we should frame that conversation as whether even whether it's Marvin or Biz, are either one of those people potentially useful enough to a contender that they'd be willing to give the Hornets something to rent them for the for the end of the season, and just as importantly, what would the Hornets have to take back? to make the salaries work, um, how problematic would that be? I would be shocked if anybody offered the Hornets more than either a quite late first-round pick or more likely a second-round pick for either one of those guys. Just be not That's not a, a judgment on their value. That's a judgment on how complicated it is to make these kind of trades. But like I said, Doug, the, the issue is more is – frankly, more about um, what the Hornets would have to take back in the form of a contract. Like, for instance, would they, would, would they have to take back, you know, like like lousy money that goes beyond this season? And that, to me, would be something that would really make you think twice. Um, but but to answer the, the most basic of questions you ask, I, I think you'd agree with me that there is no way that Marvin Williams would not be useful to a contender. And to some degree, I think that applies to business as well. Malik Monk, he, he looked like he was putting things together, uh, looked like he was kind of reinventing himself as a, as a slashing guard as opposed to the, the three-point marksman that I think a, a lot of fans thought he was going to be. Roaned when... over. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's fair to say. Um, it looked like he was starting to put things together, but over the last five games, he's really struggled from the field, uh, 7.8 points, 28.9% from the field, and 19% uh, from three on four attempts per game. Any light that you can shed on those struggles? I, I know they've mentioned um, there, there's a wrap on his finger. Maybe he's uncomfortable with that. Any any kind of uh, idea about what, what those struggles mean over the last five? I think he's shooting poorly as opposed to playing poorly. Um I think he's trying to do the same things right now that were working so well for 10 games. Um, I think he is 
I think he's smarter in what he's doing at the offensive end. And I think he's more attentive to what he needs to do with the defensive end. And Doug, what I'm about to say about Malik really needs to apply to all the players this season. What this is really about is building better habits. Mm. Um, if it be, you know, you know, you've heard me say a bunch of times, you know, like, like when Walker at the beginning of the season said to me, what would you consider a success or a failure for the Hornets? And I always say, if we don't know who that circle of young players are by the end of the season, as far as what they can be, then, then the Hornets fail. And that's the only way they can fail this season. Well, I think that they are seeing Malik evolve intellectually as a basketball player, and that's more important than whether or not he makes a jump shot. Yeah, one of the habits that they are they are developing as a team, uh, turning the basketball over, getting off to bad starts, uh, so they will look to try to turn that trend around against the Golden State Warriors uh, tomorrow night. Rick, thanks as always uh, for joining and, and giving us uh, your analysis. We always appreciate it. Absolutely, Doug. Have a good day. Coming up, my thoughts on the loss against Phoenix. What does it mean? Can we blame this on youth? What's going on with the NBA TV ratings? You heard me ask Bobby Marks about that. I've got to give my thoughts on that. So check that out on the other side. You're listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Hornets. Decoys all over the place. They've got everybody down at the rim. Ball goes into biz. They do like an XFL style where the wide receiver runs to the line of scrimmage, except it's with Devontae Graham. He picks up a foul. I don't care what you say, Nate McMillan. More like Nate McVillan. Get out of here. Quit whining about the officials. You got plenty of calls. The Hornets got a call at the end of the game. I thought it was fair. Hornets win. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. You've heard from Rick. Now it's my turn to dig into this uh, latest loss by the Charlotte Hornets. They're second in a row after getting blown out by Milwaukee. They lose this one to the Phoenix Suns, 109-104. The Phoenix Suns coming into this game, having lost three straight, they were without Aaron Baines. And if you don't think that's a big deal, then you haven't been paying attention to the Suns, which, I mean, you know, credit to you. That's, you know, not a team that everybody should be really paying attention to, but Aaron Baines has been the engine of uh, the Phoenix Suns this season. I mean, he's really made a difference in terms of their ability to defend this season. They they have a newfound love of defense and physicality. So no Aaron Baines in this game. That meant that Frank Kaminsky gets the call up in this one. He uh, uh, Frank Kaminsky, of, of course, former Charlotte Hornet draft pick, and uh, caught the ire of a lot of fans as he came in here. He wasn't a very physical player. Uh, His shooting was very inconsistent. His confidence was inconsistent. But Frank Kaminsky, for all of his faults, did famously step into the starting role for the Charlotte Hornets at the center position. Normally when he came off the bench, he was playing power forward. But when he started in spots for the Charlotte Hornets, he would come in at the center position and actually kind of dominate. And a lot of that was the fact that he did have an ability to beat other plotting centers off the dribble in a lot of the same way that we see P.J. Washington do. Uh, he, he could do that, and he had an assortment of post moves that when they were going, he could cook. Uh, but when they weren't going, he did not cook, and he was also a liability on the defensive end. So he comes in and he starts for the Phoenix Suns. 
5 of 12 from the field, 0 of 4 from beyond the arc, 12 points, 4 assists, 6 rebounds. But that shooting inconsistency is something that is carrying over to his time in the Phoenix Suns. But he was all smiles on the bench because the Phoenix Suns get a win. They go up 20 at the half in large part due to the fact that the Hornets could not stop turning the ball over. They had 15 turnovers in the first half, and it amounted to 16 or 18 points for the Phoenix Suns. And they finished the game with 19 turnovers for 22 points. So they only commit four turnovers in the second half. That allowed this team to get back into the game because they were actually able to execute offense and get stops on the other end of the floor. But you can't spot teams 20 points. And the Phoenix Suns did not make any mistakes. I mean, they had eight turnovers for eight Hornets points. They were the team not making mistakes. After the game, I thought uh, Borrego had an interesting quote. He says, I'm not going to put that one on youth. We know our job on a free throw box out, referring to the end of the game, uh, when they don't box out Frank Kaminsky after fouling him, allowing him two free throw shots. Uh, they they allow the Phoenix Suns to get the ball back, and Ubre knocks down a, a corner three that cut the Hornets' lead to two points at that point. Then Biz turns it over, and then Phoenix gets another rotation, Ubre corner three, and that gave the uh, Phoenix Suns the lead. They actually finished this game on a 12-0 run that allowed them to get the victory. Borrego continues, I don't care if you're 18, 20, or 40 years old out there. You know what you're supposed to do. You know what we do on our coverages down the stretch. If you miss a shot, so be it. You may have a turnover once in a while, but there are some things that happen down the stretch that are inexcusable and just poor basketball, unquote. So strong words there from Borrego. And I love it. I wish, I think these words should have come sooner. I think there should have been a little bit more public accountability sooner because these are not, the Hornets have won close games. It's strange to see them fumble this away down the stretch, although we saw them do that a few weeks ago or a week ago uh, against the Chicago Bulls when uh, defensive breakdowns and turnovers allowed the Bulls to sneak back into that basketball game and against the Wizards the game before that. So recently we've seen them struggle down the stretch, but it's also been their calling card to get these close wins and finish them out. It's strange to now see them not doing that. But what we have continued to see over and over are these absolutely putrid starts to games, whether it be, you know, poor offense like we saw against Milwaukee when they were 0-7 from the field and you, you spot the Milwaukee Bucks an 11-2 run to start the game, or it's turning the basketball over and allowing the Phoenix Suns, who uh, you, you get kind of an off night from Devin Booker. He didn't have a great first half. He finished the game 3 of 10 from 3. I mean, that's about as good as you can ask. He finishes with 23 points, but it was a hard-earned 23. He certainly get he can get 50 easier. So... I guess my question is, can we blame this on youth? Or are you with Borrego? Is this one that you go, well, okay, it's not like I want them to win every game anyway. Uh, they they tried really hard to get back into the game. 20-point deficit at half. They cut that in the third quarter. A lot of that having to do uh, with uh, good play by Biz, good physical play on the defensive end. They cut the turnovers down. 
You had active you had active defense from Dwayne Bacon, who struggled again offensively in this game, but had active hands on defense. You had Monk get that huge block on Frank Kaminsky. That was dirty. One of the worst offensive foul calls I've ever seen in my life in the fourth quarter that actually got overturned. Graham drives on Mikael Bridges, who jumps up with Graham and drapes over him, and they called the foul on Graham. They actually they turned that over. It was a official challenge by James Borrego. Good challenge there. And they get the lead back in the fourth quarter, 9-11 to go. It was a Bacon offensive rebound putback that, get, that gave them the lead, and then they get it to 104-97 with 1-11 to go. And then 55 seconds left, and they give up that five-point play because Kaminsky misses the free throw, gets his own rebound. I mean, you got to block the shooter out. I mean, I, I agree. These are inexcusable mistakes, even for a young team. But when do we let this team off the hook, and when do we hold them accountable as fans? When do we say, okay, this is a team that's growing, that's improving, and when do we say, wait a minute, how do you not block the shooter out? How, how are you not prepared to take on the Phoenix Suns after getting, your, after getting pantsed by the Milwaukee Bucks? How do you not gear up home game against the Phoenix Suns, who've lost three straight, and, and the past few games, you've actually you've mitigated the turnovers. Why so schizophrenic? Why, what, where are the habits that, that are supposed to be being built right now for this young team? Or when do you say, okay, well, you know, kudos for coming back, but I wanted you to lose this game anyway because we're trying to get that high draft pick, baby. I mean, it seems like the answer for Borrego is this was a bridge too far. Giving up on this game like they did and, and allowing the Phoenix Suns to knock down those three-point shots that that decimated that lead that they had built up in the fourth quarter, that was a bridge too far for Borrego. And this has been rare. He doesn't really often publicly come out and, and make these kind of statements about the team. Uh, but we've seen some tough losses over the past few weeks. It's, it's you know, again, the blowouts are one thing. That, that's a talent thing. But it's these close losses to bad teams like the Bulls and the and the Wizards that go, wow, is a seven or eight game losing streak on the horizon. Like it just feels like we are we're working towards that. But when does the fan base hold because I mean you saw the crowd against Phoenix if you watched the game from television or if you were there in the arena. I mean, this it's the fans are already holding this team accountable. I mean, the hardcore fans are always the the people you you you're listening to the show right now. You're listening for the analysis of the game. You're going to pay attention to the you're you're going to pay attention to them always. But the fan base as a whole, the casual fan, that they've already they they've already uh, given their verdict on this team, and 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 they're waiting on this team. They're waiting on the franchise to take a different direction. And unfortunately, because of the contracts that they've signed over the years, it's it's going to require patience because some of these contracts have to come off the books. Your Bismack Biombos, your your Marvin Wood, but the, and and you know, I think part of the issue is that you've got a lot of veteran leadership that may not have let that let those things happen. They're sitting on the bench right now. Your MKGs, your Marvin Williams, they're they're not playing as many minutes, although Marvin did in this game. But it's an interesting problem for Borrego to solve as he continues to try to coach this young group up and get them organized and get them into a you know winning habits. That's the big thing, right? Trying to develop the winning habits that will benefit them next season and the season after that, 
as the Hornets look to retool, regroup, and, and refuel a franchise that has been uh, languishing in mediocrity for a very long time. It's, it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Um, and you just have to pay attention to that young core and say, are now I'll give, I'll shout out the young core, by the way, miles bridges, I thought did a fantastic job helping to stymie what Devin Booker looked to do early in the game. You know, with those shooters like that, getting into them early in the game and disrupting them is, is a great way to keep a 40 burger from happening. And I thought big kudos had to go to Miles Bridges for, for that. And I thought Bismack Biombo again, doing a great job, two blocks in this game. Cody Zeller had two. Marvin Williams had two. They were defending the paint in that second half. Off night from Devontae Graham from three. That, that was a big difference maker. One of ten from beyond the arc. That's tough. That's a tough one to take. 15 points, 13 assists, so he was moving the basketball. But... You know, one of ten, that's that's gonna be difficult to come back from. Overall, the Hornets, not a great shooting night, seven of twenty-six for twenty-seven percent. Um, but if you block out the free throw shooter, you have a chance to win that game. Shout out to Terry Rozier, two, thirteen point seven rebounds, three assists, three of six from beyond the arc. He he continues to be scorching hot from three catch and shoot threes they're running plays for him they're running cross screen actions to get him open corner threes it's clear that there is a there is a determined effort by the charlotte hornets to put terry rozier in positions that can help the team and to keep him out of positions that will hurt the team it's been one of the bigger turnarounds of this season has been terry rozier's performance through like the first seven games to where we are now Interesting things to watch. I'll talk about it all with Walker Mail tomorrow. He should return. Thanks again to Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. You can follow him on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Locked On Hornets podcast. You're on the Locked On Podcast Network. Check out Let the Boys Watch on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash L-O-H. We'll see you tomorrow. Mm-hmm.